Welcome to the Final Draft Great Conversations podcast. Today's Great Conversation features Steve Toltz. The Final Draft Great Conversations podcast is all about books, writing, and literary culture. My name's Andrew Popel. Every week I broadcast Final Draft from the studios of 2SER in Sydney. Final Draft, we're dedicated to exploring Australian writing from debut authors to household names. Every week we look into the issues that drive our storytelling and help you discover more from the books you love. These are the stories that make us who we are. 2SER broadcasts from the lands of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, and I'm recording on the lands of the Darug and Gunungurra people. I want to acknowledge the traditional owners of those lands and pay my respects to their ongoing connection to their lands. These are unceded lands. Treaty has never been made with Australia's First Nations. Now, today on the show, I'm joined by Steve Tolt. Steve is a novelist and screenwriter. His first novel, A Fraction of the Whole, was shortlisted for the Man Booker Prize and the Guardian First Book Award. His second novel, Quicksand, won the 2017 Russell Prize for humour. And he's got a new novel out. It's called Here Goes Nothing. That's what he's joining me to discuss today. Angus Mooney is dead. He's not happy about the fact and even less impressed with what comes next. Waking up in some sort of afterlife, Angus finds things are a little strained. He's not sure if this is heaven or hell, and he never expected either. Wherever he is, is busy. There's an influx of guests, and the powers that be are struggling to manage the crowd. Moving between Angus's new afterlife and his final days, Here Goes Nothing takes the reader on a bizarre, acerbic, and laugh-out-loud funny journey through the big questions, as asked by a guy who is pretty sure he won't understand the answer. Join me as we discover Steve Toltz's Here Goes Nothing. Hi. Hello, Steve. I think it's connected us. Yes. How are you doing? I'm very well. Thank you for taking the time with me today, tonight. Where are you joining me from? Tonight. Um, I'm in I'm in L.A. Oh, terrific. Well, thank you even more. I don't have the time difference at hand, but I hope it's not. I no, hope it's, it's not- 8.30. It's fine. Oh, terrific. Brilliant. Well, I'm really looking forward to, to having a chat. Of course, you have the fabulous Here Goes Nothing um, out, but you are also joining us for Sydney Writers Festival. Okay, excellent. And otherwise, I'm pronouncing your surname Toltz. Have I got that correct? Yep. Yep. Perfect. Fantastic. Should we jump in? Sure. You are tuned in to 2SER 107.3. This is Final Draft Books, Writing and Literary Culture. My name is Andrew Popel. It is a great pleasure to be welcoming my next guest. Steve Toltz is a novelist and screenwriter. His first novel, A Fraction of the Whole, was shortlisted for the Man Booker Prize and the Guardian First Book Award. His second novel, Quicksand, won the 2017 Russell Prize for Humour. He's joining me with his latest. It's called Here Goes Nothing. Steve, thank you. Welcome and thank you for joining me uh, across the, the digital seas. Thanks for having me. It is, it is a, like, it's just fab to be chatting about Here Goes Nothing. And I've thoroughly enjoyed it. But look, I wanted to, I wanted to check in with you because, I mean, I found Here Goes Nothing bizarre, acerbic, laugh out loud funny. But I've also seen you describe, so I, what, well, no, I have seen you described. You're at Sydney Writers Festival. In their bio, you're one of our, Australia's finest comic writing exports. I wondered if that makes you feel pressure because, I mean, like, you know, anyone can kill Bambi's mother for a little bit of tragedy, but to be known for and consistently have to make people laugh, that sounds like a lot. Well, it just so happens that writing in that style 
is pretty much all I've got really. And that's the, that's the style that I learned to write in and kind of, even if I was writing, you know, whether it was a romance or a thriller or whatever I will decide to do, um, I know it will be humorous because that's where I get also my pleasure from writing. So, you know, I very much write for the pleasure principle. So if I'm enjoying it, um, I sort of hope that readers will enjoy it as well. So, um, yeah, I don't let any, you know, whatever that kind of thing is said about me kind of change my writing or put any pressure on me because um, I'm going to come out with that anyway. I love this internal pleasure that you're expressing there as well because, again, as soon as you started talking, I worried, are you like those chefs who come home and can't even be bothered with toast? Are you not <laughs> finding this humour in the world? But it sounds like this is this is your outlook. This is how you um, – the lens through which you're viewing the world. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely – you know, I do try to inherit characters and create characters that are different from myself, but um, certainly I I just, yeah, it is definitely, um, there is, let's say, there's a consistency um, in the, I guess, kind of mood, I would put it, as um, the mood of outlook from really being quite young, like, um when I was a kid, I, I had some sort of childhood illnesses and I began writing stories as a way to, I don't know, I guess um, that was just my default hobby. And even though it was in a kind of very nascent form, there was always a jokey kind of aspect to it. Um, and so that's just what I um, naturally associate with the act of writing. Fabulous. I want to take our listeners to Here Goes Nothing, where we meet Angus Mooney, and Angus is dead. He's not that happy about the fact, and he's even less impressed about what comes next. And I really, I don't know what, I don't know what to say about what comes next. It's so many and varied, and as I, I said, bizarre. But I was interested, you have Angus wake up dead um, as his essential self people are waking up sort of as their essential selves and i wondered what that meant but rather than give away too much of here goes nothing let me ask you what you think your essential self might be oh my god that is a tough one um yeah like it's it's all it's one of those things is how do you define yourself and then sort of you know i guess you boil it down to you know australian male writer I guess those are those are the three essential things. So I feel like I would be a writer in the next world. Angus might never have stumbled across you. You would be uh, huddled away um, in your room uh, scribbling. Would there be a publishing industry for you to access, I wonder? Well, that is an interesting thing. Well, I guess the the afterlife that I've created is really an extension of our world and so it's all very human so whatever we have going on here we have sort of going on there i mean that was the kind of idea that um you know whenever you look at the way that the afterlife has been depicted in you know the last thousand years it's always either a reward or a punishment it's always kind of very clear what the rules are there's always an authority figure you sort of know what's going on and i uh wanted to write something that was a bit of a sort of a 
well, first of all, a slap in the face to the atheist like Angus, who doesn't believe in anything and is is sort of shocked and embarrassed when he wakes up dead, but also to like specific religious groups who think that perhaps their version for their specific group would be um, would be the afterlife. And so, um, yeah, whatever you know, whatever human remains oh, past the grave. There is so much to unpack. I'm going to put a bookmark there because you talked a little bit about your afterlife being a a reflection, perhaps there's an extension of our world. But of course, this isn't quite our world. We're in a a not too distant sort of Sydney future, maybe. Mm -hmm. Give it to me straight, Steve. Tell me, is it good news or bad news about what comes next? Well, you mean in the story or <laughs> you want me to guess? Are you telling me you're not prescient? I, um, yeah. <laughs> maybe, well, maybe I, I might in- be a little bit because there is a pandemic in my novel and I did write all of that bit in 2019. <gasps> so, uh, you know, perhaps I am guessing what comes next. <laughs> How did you feel about it? Was there any, was there any write rewrite process when you're just like, okay, I've, I've put a pandemic in now one's happening. I'm, I, especially when uh, you talk to speculative fiction writers or science fiction writers, they often talk about the difficulty of the world catching up on their writing. How did you deal with that particular uh, that issue over the last couple of years? I guess it was a little annoying because I don't generally do a lot of factual research for my writing. I like to just tell an imaginative story and make it up. But I was um, writing about a... Uh, you know, as I was writing about a pandemic, so I, I read a lot of books and I and I did a lot of research into zoonotic diseases, and then um, and then just you know it was kind of painstaking to get it right, and then suddenly to turn on the TV and have every newsreader just kind of blurting out dialogue that that I could have used directly in my book and saved myself a lot of work. Um, that was uh, slightly annoying, but other than that. Um, you know, I felt like, yeah, I got it kind of, kind of right. It's terrific. But again, it must be crushing when two and a half, three years ago, you were, you had a book that sounded incredibly clever and, and introducing people to ideas that have just become the thing that we avoid over our wheat picks now. It's, yeah, I know, I know. Well, luckily it's a small part of the book, so... Mm. Um, yeah, so I, I've, I've left it in. And also, you know, my, my pandemic is, um, comes from dogs, not bats. And, you know, I know how people love their dogs. Absolutely. Yeah. That's going to really challenge a few people. This is really a book about ideas, but it also has these incredibly distinctive characters that live, well, especially that live when Angus lived, um, a life that was kind of, I mean, I've, you know, spent some time living in the inner west of Sydney that, that looks fun, that looks, it's it kind of fun in that challenging, you know, the characters you meet kind of way. Do you want people getting cerebral with Here Goes Nothing or just kind of riding along with Angus? You know, I find what I like about, I mean, as I'm writing, I'm never thinking about you know, who would potentially read it because you never know with a book, you know, you might get two readers, you might get a hundred, you might get a thousand. Um, so there's no point thinking about, about people like that. You're only trying to write the kind of best ideal version of the book um, that you're creating. Mm. 
But what has what always kind of pleases me hearing from readers afterwards is finding that every person gets something completely different from the book. Um, you know, everyone's sort of favorite lines are different. Um, the things that people find funny are different. The things that people find thought provoking are different. So everybody, like whatever anybody gets from it is great. Um, you know, my simplest hope is that people are just engaged with the story from the beginning to the end and whatever else they get is kind of bonus. Mm. Let's zoom in a little bit on Angus. So you've got this guy, Angus Mooney. He's, he's a petty crim. He's an expectant dad. He's deadpan. Sometimes he's maybe a bit optimistic, opportunistic. He's also joining us from beyond the veil. And I mean, of all of, you know, of, <laughs> about to do a version of of all the gin joints in all the bars in all the world. Um, Of of all the guys in all the towns in all the world, you could have chosen what made Angus more interesting to you dead rather than alive? Well, what I like about Angus is he's a guy who um, one of his chief virtues is not understanding the world. Um, And he kind of uh, revels in his ignorance Um, and, you know, I kind of want to put in someone like that in another place because, you know, I feel that we are, uh, it was sometime over the last few years, I realized that it's possible to be over-informed. I was always worried about being under-informed. And then suddenly, you know, I realized suddenly with sort of 24 hour news and, you know, uh, different interpretations of, you know, the, the week's events, I realized that, um, we're kind of zeroing in on a few uh, things that interest us. And then we're obsessingly it's obsessing about it. And mm-hmm. what I like about Angus is he doesn't want to know anything and he's just happy to, to just, he, he's not really well read and he has a natural intelligence. Uh, so I enjoy that kind of person. And also he's one of those people that the be- one of the best things you can say about him is who has chosen to love him and who he has chosen to love. Um, so, you know, uh, this is also a love story. Um, yeah. Oh, I want to get to the love story, but I was really interested in what you were saying there about, um, I guess the, the mode of Angus's ignorance because he knows, he knows enough to know what he doesn't know, which is really fascinating when he gets to the afterlife and he's greeted there in crisis stuff's not going well beyond the veil. Um, which for for all intents and purposes looks it, it actually kind of looks a whole lot like a, a refugee crisis that we see mirrored in the news but what really jumped out at me was the questions Angus has and the fact that it seems like nobody's asking these questions is that is that a feature that attracted you about Angus he knows he knows what he doesn't know and he's curious yeah, he goes through, I guess he gets, spa- I would call them like spasms of curiosity um, where he he gets frustrated by, by his ignorance sometimes and then, you know, wants to know and then realises that no information, there's no answer that will satisfy him, mm-hmm. just as there's no answer generally in the book that will satisfy um, because I've created a, an afterlife it's funny that whenever we've thought about the afterlife, even with all the very different versions, 
the one thing every version of the afterlife has in common is eternity. So um, I thought it would be interesting to have an afterlife that, you know, has about the same many years that we have here on, you know, on earth, like maybe an afterlife that averages 80 years and then you die and, you know, where you go from death, we still do not know. And, and worse rather than, I guess, idealizing ourselves. And I mean, I guess an ideal self could probably deal with eternity. Um, You know, we we all become angels or we all become devils. You thought that the eternity that you confront Angus with is an eternity of just being himself, which is... Yeah, you know, he says at some point, he says like he's... He, he has the horrible kind of realisation that consciousness is like a radio you can never turn off, like never. Um, so, you know, that maybe that is hell or heaven, depending on what you think of yourself. I mean, I guess if the radio you can't turn off is 2SER, then I don't know. Shameless plug. Um, <laughs> of this idea of the afterlife, uh, though, it, I mean, it seems like we've had it in our humanity ever since we've been getting busy dying. I know there are philosophical and religious stories that are going to help us populate this space, but I wondered what, what's your take, Steve? Like in, in writing this book, what was your take on why the afterlife or even just the idea that there is something else is such a human fascination? I mean, I think the reason for the afterlife is that we just don't like the idea of oblivion. It's, uh, you know, that we don't, you know, we're one of those, that we're the rare creature that is aware of our own mortality. And, um, you know, it's much easier to think of continuance. You know, I mean, personally, I sort of think if there was an afterlife of some kind, it probably won't have the I or me or a continuation of self or, you know, with us, with our intact memories. And so, you know, what's the use of it? I don't, I don't really know. Um, But yeah, it's something that we're, we'll always be stuck with the idea of this because um, the idea of uh, just, you know, one short lifespan is, uh, is too horrible for most people to consider. And of course, as we consider it, in our, our kind of fragile current existence, we think so much on loss. Like we, we, there is, there's this assumption that if there's something more, then we will lose, we will mourn what has been left behind, which is a really cheery way to come back to the love story you mentioned. Um, Mm -hmm. Introduce us to Gracie, please, Steve. Yeah. So Gracie um, is Angus's wife. Um, She's a wedding celebrant. She has these kind of unorthodox uh, sermons that she delivers at weddings. Um, And she's sort of a, she's kind of Angus's opposite in many ways. She is kind of spiritual and she does kind of believe in the afterlife. And, um, and yeah, and so they're basically a pretty happy couple despite, you know, some problems, financial problems, and they have problems sort of conceiving of a child. Um, and uh, when they get a knock on the door and it's, uh, you know, there's an, uh, a man uh, arrives at their house saying that he's dying and that he grew up in their house and he would very much like to come in and die in his childhood bedroom. Um, and so that's kind of the thing that kicks the story off. Mm. As you say, 
Gracie and Angus are certainly not Romeo and Juliet, but in their love, they are kind of wonderful, kind of sweet. You, you introduce us to Angus and it's hard to believe the, the sort of the level of sweetness that we can come to see in him when he is with Gracie. And then he is, of course, very concerned as I've, you know, I don't think I'm giving too much away. I've mentioned that Angus is dead and I haven't mentioned anyone else is dead. He is, he is very concerned about the fact that he's navigating this plane alone. He wants to know what's going on. And he, so he's still very much in love with Gracie. Um, And again, I'm going to sort of tangentially get around the idea of spoilers by asking about this. Are you a romantic, Steve? Hmm. Um, I'm a romantic in fiction, uh, you know, also in real life, I guess. Uh, yeah. It depends on the circumstance and the day, you know, all these kind of questions are of like, it's sort of almost like, are you an optimist or are you a pessimist? Hmm. Um, I'll say it depends on what time of day you ask me and depends if, you know, you're asking me in the morning or in the afternoon or whether I'm a, an optimist about myself, my life or the world, you know, they're, they're all different shades mm. to the same question. And I guess it, it, a lot of what you are talking about and what you are writing about in Here Goes Nothing has to do with those perceptions. I mean, is is Angus being romantic in this enduring love? <laughs> or mm. Because, of course, he, he can't possibly wish for Gracie to join him. Surely she's pregnant. He doesn't want that. Or, But is he then being a bit pessimistic and a fatalist in sort of resigning himself to this, even just in your afterlife, which is, as I said before, it's not got a, going on at the moment. It is, it is a really overly bureaucratic crowded place. It's a reflection sort of funhouse mirror style of the world it's left behind. It got me wondering again about this perspective and why we ever thought that death might be better than life. Yeah, I mean, there was a point early on in the writing where I sort of a phrase came into my mind of what I was going to be writing about. And it was like a brief that I had to write to, which was, um, you know, apocalypse on earth, revolution in heaven. And so I was kind of, you know, I think this, the tumult, uh, you know, I did enjoy writing, you know, the, that the influx of dead was going to cause a kind of a trans-dimensional refugee crisis. Um, and, yeah, I, I think that what interests me mainly in, in everything I write is sort of human behaviour and human motivation and, you know, I don't, really find there's any more in subject more interesting to me. And so, you know, having, I've had some kind of near death experiences myself and I've known a lot of people have had some crazy experiences and, you know, I've, I found that, that people are not ultimately changed by our life changing experiences. And so why should even death be different? You know, if you've, you know, if you know anyone who's had a near death experience, they're different for about a week. And then, you know, and then they sort of settle, you know, the, the persistence of personality and the persistence of kind of human desire and human motivation and, you know, just the need to be kind of liked and loved. And, you know, it's, it's kind of um, it, that's almost eternal. And so I thought it would be a, a fun way to shine a light on the on what is human 
by um, seeing what would persist beyond the grave. Amazing. Steve, I, I mentioned earlier, this is a book of ideas. It's also a book of incredible characters doing incredible, unexpected, bizarre things. I don't think there's much more I can say about it without, you know, spoiling a little bit of the experience of it other than Sydney Writers' Festival is on from the 16th till the 22nd of May. It's on at Carriage Works in Redfern. You are not in Redfern. You are far away from Redfern. But, Steve, you're zooming in to SWF. You're going to be discussing Here Goes Nothing with the wonderful Sarah Krasnerstein. What is it about literary festivals for you? What, what do they bring to your creative world? Oh, I look, I really enjoy them. I mean, I'm, I'm sad that I'm not going to be there in person. I am actually moving back to Australia soon, so, but I'm just missing it by about a month. Um, but I will um, generally, it's just the, um, you know, just having all, all those writers in the same place and all those uh, ideas, um, conversation and ideas. Like I don't um, think there's any kind of better atmosphere um, to kind of swim in. So yeah, I, I look forward to it. I'm sorry. I can't be there in person. It's, I am really looking forward to it as well. I was actually earlier today, I was speaking with Michael Williams, the festival artistic director. We're getting really excited. You, you might, you might be, you know, in luck that you're, you're also missing on the, the same sort of weekend is the federal election. Sydney writers festival promises to be a haven from that. I think. Oh, good. Well, I'm, I am glad I'm missing out on that, to be honest. <laughs> but it is so terrific that from wherever in the world you are, you can join us, Steve. And thank you so much. So I am speaking with Steve Toltz. His new novel is Here Goes Nothing, and it is a, a fabulous uh, contest of ideas come just beyond the worldwide sort of excursion. Thank you so much for your time today, Steve. Thanks. It was great to chat to you. That's it for this great conversation with Steve Toltz. Steve's new book is called Here Goes Nothing. It is out now from Penguin. Great Conversations is recorded on the lands of the Darug and the Gunungurra people. The show is produced and presented by Andrew Popel. Stay in touch. Love to hear from you. You will find Final Draft on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. The handle is at Final Draft 2SER. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. It means a new great conversation every week in your ears. I am Andrew Popel. I will be back next week with more great conversations from Final Draft. Till then, happy reading. Bye now.